I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. And today I am joined by Daniel Mangetta, who is a successful entrepreneur, best-selling author, podcast host of Do It With Dan and Beyond Success, a life and business transformation coach, an international public speaker who is known for programs and content that take his clients and students to the next level living. He has helped thousands of people across the globe achieve wealth mastery and truly abundant lives. Featured on CNN, CBS, Fox, The Jack Canfield Show, and in forums and Entrepreneur Magazine, Daniel's mission is to spread his teachings worldwide with the intention to spearhead an evolutionary uplift in universal consciousness by awakening people to the importance of their unique role in enabling to manifest their dream life, which I ask him to break that sentence down for us. We also get into how he was diagnosed with Asperger's as an adult and what that was like for his life, uh, how he had uh, very suicidal thoughts and how he used those thoughts to actually overcome it and create the life that he's lived now, how he actually lost his business twice. Uh, and we tie that all into the 200% life. Uh, so I really know that you guys are going to enjoy my conversation with Daniel. Well, Dan, thanks so much for being with us today. I want to start this journey with our audience of maybe when you were 20 years old and you kind of had a traumatic experience in your life and kind of how that shaped to where you today. So can you take us back to that moment and kind of walk us up to where you are today? Sure. Um, so, so what happened was, is that I was a very precocious teenager. <laughs> the reason why I became a bit clear later on, but I mean, age 16, I wasn't chasing girls. I was reading Think and Grow Rich. I was reading Psycho-Cybernetics. I was getting tapes from Nightingale Conant and doing the whole infomercial game thing. And uh, I I was really determined to become a millionaire while I was still a teenager. Very, very important to me. I wanted to do 18, but I accepted that teenager was okay. And I was able to do it. Unfortunately, though, uh, not long after my 20th birthday, a couple of months after it, uh, government came in and said, excuse me, you don't have the licenses for all of these things that you're doing. So we're going to take everything. And so everything was gone. So within a 48 hour period, it went from Johnny Big Socks, who's got it all worked out to nothing gone. Everything was seized, everything, including how the clothes they, out of my wardrobe. What did they, what did they, how did they take it and walk me through? Oh, what... oh they just, they just come and take it. <laughs> <laughs> they shut down your office. They come, they seize all your bank accounts and they bring people with wind windbreakers on and they just empty out everything in your house and that's it and then it's a long it's a long legal process to try and get it all back but that didn't happen in my case they were able to keep it and so I though was unabashed by I hadn't been tested by life at the time yeah and so I was like oh okay cool I'm just gonna go and do it again uh but I'm gonna be really clever this time and I'm gonna put everything <laughs> in other people's names and they're not gonna they're not gonna come and get my money again and then everybody whose names I put everything in stole everything from me so, so. For, people, for people who don't know what were you doing that caused them to actually jump in and seize everything one day no it's just I didn't have a license for how we raise capital for the business that was it you need to be I, licensed yeah it's basically the the way that we raise capital if there was one word different on the paperwork I would have been able to keep everything but one word basically meant I wasn't allowed to keep anything who turned um, you in nobody turned in it was actually a complete accident <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a freakish accident yeah 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 it was a freakish accident so well, I went to go and open up I went to go and open up uh um uh and I like a savings account, like high interest yeah. savings account. Yeah. And the person in the bank saw that I had some cash in my bag and basically called because they were concerned that I had cash in my bag. And then basically what happened is then they looked at my bank statements and saw I'm a 19 year old that's got a lot of money. 
and then they poked a little bit. There's oh, hang on a minute, you don't have a license for that. We're going to take this. So that was that was the end of the story. Wow. So it was like this me trying to be responsible adult basically yeah. led to everything getting uh, getting. Why gone. do you why do you think you wanted to be? Why was being a millionaire so important to you at the time? Honestly, Adam, I can't tell you. I, yeah. I can't tell you from back then. Looking backwards with a bit more insight, um, there was an identity thing that would be cool. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, my entrepreneurial journey started quite young. I taught myself to make computers when I was 13 years old. Um, I didn't have much of a social life. And so I actually had started to build up a level of identity based on people's beliefs about what I was going to be and living up to that identity became my identity. And so that's what actually led to the really dark time when I lost everything the second time, because all of a sudden I was smacked around the face that all of this self-confidence I had in this identity that I had was gone. And I got so caught up in what other people would say about the fact that, well, it's happened twice now. Maybe he's not as clever as he thinks he is, that that's what took me into the darkness, actually, because there was no identity left because I'd been spending my entire life up into that time, essentially building this full self based on living up to expectations in order to have some kind of connection. Huh. And, and when did you recognize that you had actually built an identity that you needed to let go of? It was only after the fact. So fast forward, I'm 24, 23, 24 now, everything's gone the second time. And I sit there and I say, well, that's it. Like, maybe I'm not as clever as I thought I was. There's nothing left. There's no point living now. And the only reason why I didn't make a suicide attempt is because I felt like such a loser that I thought I'd probably fail at that. One huh. of the things that I muse on quite laughingly is that had I been in the US where access to firearms and more surefire ways of suicide were available, maybe my story wouldn't have gone the same way. But the idea of hanging myself and someone having to cut me down, that felt like an inconvenience. Um, about, I want to say, eight years later, I actually ended up in the scene that I saw in my head of a girl I was dating at the time, her friend had tried to commit suicide with taking pills. Her stomach got pumped. We all went to go and see her at the hospital. And, and I was like, oh my God, this is exactly the scene that I didn't want with that. And then the whole idea of cutting wrists is like, it didn't feel like a definite way because I've seen too many people with cut marks and I didn't want this permanent reminder if that didn't go right. And so my entire mission became, I was hyper-focused on this, I'm going to de-lose myself so that my suicide attempt is successful. And that's what I became laser focused on. Fast forward a few more years, I got diagnosed with Asperger's and understood that's why my brain had gone through this thinking process. I didn't have the capacity to make the impulsive decision of a suicide attempt because of the way that I, I work and even getting laser focused on the new goal. Again, that was due to my, my autistic brain and how it was wired. But looking back and it was 2015-ish, I'm pretty sure that was the first time that I can remember sitting down and saying, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, I'm not going down the darkness, you know, in the same way anymore and started the process of actually backtracking and seeing what my journey had been up to rebuilding myself up until that time. And it was during that process of self-examination and going through my journey that ideas such as the identity that I, that I, that I, I tied into and how that going actually created the space for me to go and build something else. All of this had really happened in retrospect, going like a good seven, eight years after the fact. What did you, um, what were the first couple of thoughts when you were diagnosed uh, with mm -hmm. Asperger's? Like, what did it, did it make sense? Did you kind of bring that, what was, what was going on in your head at that point in time? And how, and how have you um, now used that to, um, to really kind of flourish in the world? Well, I was really blessed in that the person who supported me through that, Helen McEwen, who I love forever. Thank you, Dr. Helen. She actually specialized in working with adults with autism. 
but I hadn't gone there for that. I'd gone there because of sleeping issues uh, that I'd suffered with my entire life. And she spent a couple of months really sort of working with me. And, and she didn't tell me what she was exploring. She was just kind of poking at different things and giving me certain tools and didn't say what they were. So by the time that we got to the, hey, let's do this test, because I think this is what's been going on. A lot of the foundations that could support me going into that diagnosis had been established. And she immediately kind of created this really beautiful container of holding me and helping me to see these are your superpowers based on what I can see. Let's see how we can use those to deal with the things that you're not so hot at. And really gave me a lot of support um, with CBT kind of going into uh, dealing with that. And I, and I, for me, it's, it's a blessing. Are there some stuff that things that are more challenging? Yes. But for me, the upside very much makes up for that. And also just being really discerning in having relationships and connections with people that are supportive and loving of me for those bits that are challenging so that we can, we can all win and move forward. What are some of the things that become challenging for you? Well, for most people that are on the spectrum, there's no natural wiring for a lot of the social engagements that people have. There's just wiring just mi missing. And then even in terms of my approach to things, even like, oh, very laser focused, very focused on stuff. That's not great on the EQ scale, <laughs> right? Because, you know, even like sending messages to people, I have to pause and remember, hang on, before I just sort of say, it's yeah. take a moment, drop into my heart, but, you know, let me check, how are you doing? By the way, wanted to take care of this thing. So it's just a very conscious process. Even this interview, I'm going to be very mindful of looking at social cues for when you're going to talk. And even if my brain's like, we have to say the thing, <laughs> pausing and remembering it's a conversation and it's not just me. Uh, pontificating yeah you've used the word consciousness a lot what does consciousness mean to you consciousness being awake to what's going on around you right i mean there's a, the deeper discussion of consciousness as this philosophical idea but when i talk about being conscious of it's being awake being aware being cognizant of and being present to what's happening what are some uh, models or systems that you use to be present? Um, I think that's a big conversation and obviously a large mm -hmm. topic right now. What are mm -hmm. some ways that you that you stay present uh, in all situations? Just slowing down. Breathing is really, really powerful. The breath yeah. is just so powerful. Um, the HeartMath Institute have done a lot of science into heart and brain coherence. Yep. Uh, and just the power, I mean, in literally 60 seconds, if you just, you know, change your physiology, Drop your soldiers and take a few deep breaths. You get out of the sympathetic and into the parasympathetic nervous system. If you're doing that with your attention placed, particularly in the center of the center of your chest, there in the heart, it really just shifts everything and just makes you more aware of what's happening and allows you to slow down and take things in. Yeah. What is the first couple memories that you have in your life? I remember this is so I've got this really very visceral memory of uh, the 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 what do we call it the infant school, which I think will probably be your kindergarten i guess <laughs> i always get confused somewhere around there yeah somewhere yeah. around there um had some stairs that went up into the playground uh and then the school was there and i've got this visceral memory of holding my mom's hand and going up the stairs mm -hmm. into the playground that's one that pops up a lot for me yeah that's awesome what does your uh daily life like routine look like right now uh, right now, um, I work about three days a week at the moment, normally Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I was away for seven weeks in Europe, so I've got a few things that have spilled over. So this week, I'm working about 16, 17 hours, same next week. But generally, about 10 hours a week of work. That's a combination of uh, podcast interviews, both me giving and, 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 and hosting, um, connection calls, um, team meetings. Uh, in terms of the coaching side of things, I do a group call for uh, our Abundance University program. Uh, I'll do some live stuff here and there. I do a bit of live content on Instagram and Facebook. Um, 
in terms of like my day, day, day outside of the work thing, um, especially when I'm at home taking my son to school, I literally just dropped him off from school. Nice. Um, I picked him up and dropped him to the house to get to for our interview. Um, morning uh, morning routine will include some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of mental focus, some kind of movement of my body, whether it's a workout or doing some yoga. I uh, generally don't tend to look at my phone before about 9, 9.30 when I've dropped Ethan off at school. And uh, yeah, um, I've got two offices. This is not generally the office I do podcasts from, but because I ha- I'm taking Ethan to and from school this week, I've been here. Um, I've got my guitar in this office. I've got my books. I've got a big beanbag sofa. I've got Lego here. Um, stuff that just keeps me in a good yeah. groove and, and creative. Um, and that ten- tends to be how I mix my day up. Love it. What does your spiritual practices look like? Uh, depends on what I'm in the mood for. It could be meditation. It could be uh, some kind of um, astral-based uh, visualization work. It could be some breath work. Uh, it could be a deeper yoga practice, um, Hatha or Kundalini. Um, could be some chanting work. Um, yeah. I keep it flexible, and I really just go with what feels like it's going to be nourishing to me on the day. I love that. Why you have a you have a phrase that you like to use of telling people to stop meditating. What do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, so stop meditating really triggers a lot of people. Uh, I actually so I write for Entrepreneur Magazine, and we did a, a an Entrepreneur Magazine article that included that in the title. Yeah. And Entrepreneur were really great. They always tag me on the tweets when they put them out on Twitter, and there was like uproar, like, "Oh, I can't believe you did this! Yeah. I'm never reading your magazine again." I was like, really? I'm not reading it with a title like that. And it's like, well, I, said, I didn't say don't. Yeah. I didn't say never. I said stop, which means that you have to have been in motion, in the motion of. And what that really comes down to is that the fact that, you know, we're not just an energy body floating through the ethers, just like we're not a, a series of thoughts moving around in the mental realms. And we're not just a meat suit moving through time and space. We're all of these things and so much more. And when we over-focus on just one of those aspects, we actually limit ourselves and what we can create. And far too many people in my experience are actually not getting to the goals that they want to get to, not creating the life that they want, not being of contribution and delivering the service that they desire because they're focused on one thing. They just do the meditation, but they don't take care of the mindset and the belief systems that are going to support that. They don't change their actions, their habits or their behaviors. And so nothing changes. Just like people who just work hard and don't take care of their spirit, don't take care of their mind. We're holistic beings and we need to take a holistic approach. And the stop meditating message is really about bringing people to honoring and respecting that approach. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are meditating for a spiritual experience. And my, and, and I always explain to people that the meditation in itself is the meditation, just stopping and pausing to remind yourself of who you really are. You're not your body. Mm-hmm. You're experiencing mm-hmm. it. You're not your voice. You're not your emotions. Amazing. You're not your heart. You get to experience it. And so just the meditation of just reminding you twice a day, if that's what it mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is, is in itself sometimes the meditation. Cause people are like, I have all these thoughts. I can't meditate. I'm like, give me a hug because that's exactly right. <laughs> that's why you need to. You're supposed to be <laughs> meditating, right? It's, I got a call earlier today and I was like, they're like, why are your thoughts all negative? I'm like, well, shouldn't they just be positive? I was like, well, why do you think people have positive affirmation? The reason why people have positive affirmation is because people have negative thoughts, right? So <laughs> if they didn't have negative thoughts, they wouldn't be positive affirmation. Exactly. So I, I love that. You talk about um, your kind of your mission statement to spearhead an evolutionary uplift in universal consciousness by awakening people to the importance of their unique role. This is our, that this that is already encoded them by the way of a deep and often ignored and undervalued passion defined as their dream. You break that down for me. Yeah. So um, when I, I've always had the catchphrase dream with your eyes open. I don't remember where it came from, but over the years of playing with it, with myself, with the work that I've done with other people, it's just gathered these deeper and deeper depths to it. 
um, we, we can talk about the fact that reality really is a waking lucid dream. We can talk about the whole idea of dream big, but go and take action. There's all these different angles on it. Um, but before we even get to that point, I really wanted to create a separation between the idea of purpose, which I think has got so popular that it's actually gotten a bit useless and some and a bit distracting. Yes, I agree. So many people are, are not moving forward with anything because yeah. I, I've got to find my purpose. Yes. Okay. So you're going to be purposeless waiting for your purpose to reveal itself. Exactly. Right. right. And so, and, and there was a story that one of my coaches once told me that, um, that I think really hits home the spirit of this thing during the pandemic. Uh, she was based in New York. There was like a window time. I don't know exactly what the rules were there, but there's a window time when you could go grocery shopping. And the only window time she had was like five o'clock in the morning or something like that. And she said every single morning she was going down and it was the same woman at the checkout. And even through her face mask, she said, you could see she'd done her makeup and she always had a smile. And she said, in the most depressing time when so many people are committing suicide, so many people in a state of depression, so many people are alone, this one woman always every morning made me feel loved and seen and accepted and had a smile on. What if that woman had spent her entire time running around saying, I haven't got my purpose, I haven't solved cancer, whatever the thing is. And yet the very thing that the divine put her on the world to do was for that two year period, to be that person that actually uplifts and maybe saves a life just through a smile every morning. And I think all too often we lose sight of the role that we play in the grand orchestra of life, right? When you look at like an, like a band or an orchestra for the, the musicians, like it could be just this one little ding that holds the entire piece together. I sang acapella music for many years and in acapella, it can be just one augmented note that you're bringing together that brings a whole piece together and makes it work and stops it being this bland thing. And yet those little notes and those little augmentations, they're humans that aren't seeing their value and that it's important because they're measuring themselves against other people, measuring themselves against society's stories that you have to have this big grand purpose. And I just wanted to remind people of that and that we all have a role to play. And it's all of us in those roles that's going to make the world move uh, forward in a better way. Yeah, it's like a lot of times people are, are I want to go, I need to go find my passion. And I, I always kind of remind people of like, well, why not? I, at least I wake up and go, that's wonderful. You want to do that. But like, I want to, why not be passionate and be passionate for everything. And therefore you never have to find passion. You're just mm -hmm. passionate doing anything that you're doing. Right. Instead of <laughs> let's not put conditions on your passion. Like, yeah. why, like it's only your mind that says you can't have passion drive into the office. Right. Or walk <laughs> in there or walk into the bathroom. So why not just be passionate about everything? Just there's people limit themselves. It's like with conditions so much in their lives that they're, they're just not seeing exactly what's in front of them. I mean, like an apple tree doesn't like wake up and go, you know what, Dan, I'm only going to produce apples for gear. <laughs> Right. The, the <laughs> rabbits over here aren't going to take it. It just, it just, it's not even serving. It's just showing up and doing this, what it's, it's dances. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to go a step further, you know, we talk about finding purpose, finding passion, finding yeah. desire. If it's passion, if it's purpose, desire, then it should be there. If it's real, it's just going to be burning through you anyway. Exactly. Uh, we spend so much time in the noise of what things should be or what we're chasing after. We're not present enough. We're not conscious enough to actually feel the thing that's here sitting underneath the whole time. So why do you think people do that? societal conditioning all of these stories right um even if you look at the whole thing oh start with why and oh you have to do this thing and your organization must be this and and i'm not knocking that stuff but i'm saying well what if we didn't have these big cookie cutter societal conditionings that we had to honor what if we were available to play our own game of life and to see what that was like i think that more people are waking up to that 
Um, they don't quite know what they're waking up to yet, but people have this whole new impression on, particularly, I think one of the positive things that came out of COVID was people stopped, slowed down and realized they can have a lot more joy in their life by not packing distractions in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting this time right now is we're starting to see everything come back in the line and everyone's now more stressed out than they even almost were. Now, obviously the deaths and the health issues were, were something that was terrible, but they're, they're almost waking up to being like, I don't, I don't like this life that I'm kind of going back into. I'm like, well, then Mm -hmm. you don't have to say yes to everything. You can actually Mm -hmm. say no to Mm -hmm. the seventh birthday party that your kid wants to go to, right? Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to go to all of them. I think Mm -hmm. people get stuck in thinking that they have to say yes to everything instead of no to many things and Mm -hmm. select just a few things that actually make sense for their life. I agree. I mean, one of the, 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 I mean, I like to look for the positives in a situation, right? And like you said, people died people are sick. I know people who are still having health issues as a result yeah. of COVID people who lost loved ones. Um, my, my father-in-law got kicked out of hospital two days after an open heart surgery because of COVID and ended up dying for example. Wow. Yeah. So like I, I've seen firsthand, I do get it, but I still do look for, well, what can we pull away from this? that's actually going to be of service and expansion. Right. And one of the things is there was a forced slowdown that literally fast track people into a, an awakening for want of a better phrase and there's a lot of you know 997 courses being sold on instagram around oh you're awakening and all that kind of stuff or whatever so i'm not really speaking to that but i'm speaking about people literally realizing hang on a minute yeah i don't like this life i've been living hang on a minute there's uncertainty here oh my god i've never been certain oh my god uh these are my kids who are these people this is my partner who is this person and there was a lot of jokes as well about the fact that, you know, a lot of people have more than one family, for example, getting out in and stuff like that is like a lot of layers were pulled away and we were forced to look at ourselves and we all had a choice in that time. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to dive in? Are we going to fall back? Yeah. And there's no shade on what, you know, what direction people went. But those of us that did make the choice to dive in actually probably would have come out on the other side of this expanded and much better for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think people get lost in the word awakening. I mean, awakening is as simple as you just see things differently than you saw them before. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. there's different layers to that and you can go very deep into the spiritual awakenings, but really yeah. it's just, I become more aware of my actions, the voice inside my head, the emotions, any of that. And I'm, I'm more present and aware of what's actually happening in the actual moment, not mm-hmm. caught up in some, you know, you know, not caught up with a voice that's grabbing me and, and pulling mm-hmm. down a rabbit hole over here. What is, um, what does money mean to you, Dan? Money's a tool. It's just numbers yeah. on a screen, right? And um, it's really funny. People think, oh, all you think about, all you care about is money. Ugh. Well, actually, no, it's just a measurable tool for us to track what we're creating, right? If I'm to say, oh, you know, Adam, I'm going to teach you how to create happiness. It's the same playbook. You know, the divine didn't create a different playbook for creating different things. Our lenses gives us different perspectives that makes the books look different, but it's all the same playbook. But it's easier for us to measure. If I say, okay, let's get you from zero to a million. Let's get you from zero to a hundred. Let's take you from seven figures to eight figures. Let's get you financially free. We can track whether that's happened or not. But because it's the same playbook, once we have developed the proficiency in that conscious level of creation here, we can go and apply it to other places. So that's my thing on money. But money is literally just numbers on a screen nowadays. Fiat currency, completely useless. It's just tied to this agreement that we're going to exchange these numbers on a screen for value for our time for our energy for our resources and that's all it is it's just a tool numbers on a screen a resource that we can use to 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 get the things that we want in our life 
Yeah. It's really trust, isn't it? It's trusting yeah. that things will hold its value. Cause if, if something yeah. happened and I mean, it's whether it's trading a pig value or yeah. currency or Bitcoin or crypto, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. just what it is. So why do you, why do you, um, why do you spend a lot of time or teach people how to manifest for money? If it's, if it's a tool and, and what does that Again, mean? Because, because you can track it, you know? Yeah. So my book money game, for example, yeah. like it, it gives you a process for creating your reality consciously. And then the book even says, now here's how to break, use the same process to go in for your career, to use it for your business, to use it for a relationship. It's exactly the same playbook, but let's use this thing so we can keep score and see, oh, this is working. It's not working. I got the result. I didn't get the result. It took me longer. Okay. Maybe I've got some limiting beliefs. It happened quickly. Okay. I can push the edge on it. It's just a way of keeping score. Yeah. Somebody uh, wakes up, they have a very successful business and they're like, well, I don't want my life to be about money. I want my life to be about this kind of inner place as well too. How do mm -hmm. people balance the difference between um, their outer lives that they're playing in, the roles that they take on, identities, which is what they are because they come and go. But like this, they, these balance in this, we, there is this world, right? Jesus said, I'm in the world, but not of it. Like there is this yeah. world. Mm -hmm. And then also balancing their kind of personal growth, spiritual growth, divine growth, whatever you want to refer to the name as. Uh, how do people mirror, mirror those two together? So for me, abundance is all of those things. There are a lot of people with a lot of money that aren't very abundant right abundance is an overflow of everything it's not just money it's also connection it's love it's vitality it's time right mm -hmm. and so one of the first things i like to remind people to do is to just take away this story that money is the be all and end all of this whole abundance thing but also to also drop the story that it's not important because it is the easiest medium of exchange for everything that we do in the world today uh, it's very funny you know um I, I had this person who wanted me to support something they're doing charitably. Uh, and yet there was, oh, you know, you always talk about money and blah, 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 there's other important things. Yeah, but you need my money now, don't you? <laughs> it's like, right? <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I know. Uh, but, when, but when we can just dispassionately look at it as just a tool that doesn't become this thing that we worship and chase after at the expense of other things, we can have this holistic balanced thing, right? So if I'm looking at, you know, I've got my seven figure business or my eight figure business, or I've got my multiple six figure career, but it's happening at the expense of relationship and connection and my health, then there's something to look at, right? And to look at, well, what is it from this experience that I need to, are there some skills I could use perhaps change the way that I'm generating my income in order to give me that spaciousness so that I can enjoy connection and enjoy money. Yeah. But I believe it, it begins with dropping the stories that any of them are important or less important than any of them. Money, connection, health, these things all have a role and it's honoring those roles according to us, the life that we want to live in our own personal experience. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about the concept of, um, you know, there's nothing wrong. Like I always kind of, I always frame kind of look at my life as the framework of it's really 200%. This is hundred percent outer world, right? Which is cars, money, vacation, giving money away, charitable things. There's this whole other world that's out there. And then there's the whole inner world, which is your heart, your emotions, your, that mind, that just that voice inside your head, right. That just talks. Mm -hmm. So really life is about this 200%. And you're actually the consciousness that's aware of all of that. You're aware of the voice, you're aware of your heart, you're aware of your emotions. You're aware that there's also this world that you get to play in. There's aware that you get to make money and lose money and invest money or give it away or mm -hmm. go on experience and different things. Mm -hmm. And so I always kind of think about it as like, there's nothing wrong with any of it, except for if you're doing any of that as a way of trying to make your make you feel whole and complete mm -hmm. um, by changing the outside world, you become a worldly person, right? Basically, mm -hmm. trying to 
I always call them the nouns, people, places, and things outside to make mm-hmm. you feel better inside. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work more than 15 seconds, right? It turns you mm-hmm. on temporarily because mm-hmm. you know, you've conditionally set up, I'll be okay. If these things happen, they happen, you become okay. And then you get addicted to this whole, let me change the world. It's almost like you're addicted to a drug and you go mm-hmm. out there and you get onto the next hamster wheel of, I need to get that job or this house or that car. I need to go have a kid. I need to get a dog, whatever it is. You can't start playing these things. And each one of them gives you like a little hit, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. you just become addicted to these things instead of realizing, that's kind of what you were saying is they're just, they're things that we do while we're here, right? Mm-hmm. They're just fun things to play with. And sure, we can measure them. Why can't we talk about them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm with you hundred percent. And for me, it's, you know, I see a lot of people in my work chasing the inner in order to feel whole too. Yeah. And negating and pushing away the outer when actually, regardless of how you cut the cookie, if you're having a physical experience, you're here to have a physical experience. If you're running off to other dimensions all the time, then what was the point in you being here? Exactly. And depending on your perspective on the layers of reality, dimensions and, you know, lifetimes and lifelines and all the stuff, at some point you're going to return back to some kind of completed state anyway, whether it's dead and nothing or conscious and floating or reincarnation or whatever. So why not just be fully present to this experience, honoring that in the grand scheme of things, a physical experience is just a small segment of the entire thing. But running away from that small segment in order to go back to the the eternal part of us anyway, doesn't make any sense either. And so for me, it's, you know, like I'm looking at, you know, getting a, a car for my place in Europe right now. And it's, you know, I've been doing the math on it being quite a sexy little car or whatever. But I'm not doing it because I want yeah. the gratification of other people. I'm doing it because I freaking want that car. And it's going to make me excited to have that car. And I want that car. I like watches, right? There's a particular timepiece I'm looking at now. Um, not doing it so I can put it on my Instagram and look at my thing because it's not for anyone else. It's for me. There's certain nice things that I like in my life, but I'm not doing them to feel whole or complete. And I make a conscious effort to stop and slow myself down and ask, why do I desire this thing? Is it because I desire the experience of it or is it because I feel it's going to do some kind of completion or some kind of validation? So I do keep doing that check, but I'm doing all of that, recognizing that I am here to have a human experience. I'm here to enjoy the sensory inputs of all of these things but I'm not doing them to be complete. I'm doing them as a part of the fact that I am complete. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. I mean, renunciation is, is just the opposite energy of going after and trying to get something. It's, it's just, it's, it doesn't, neither of them work. They're just the two yeah. opposite it's sides. The polarity. Point, right. It's just, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. They're, they're still just, you're still chasing after or pushing something away and not actually enjoying the experience. Well, what do you, um, well, what is, what does death mean to you? And are you afraid of death? I mean, you know, because my journey took me into that facing down of death, I've got a very different experience to it now because I surrendered to the prospect of it by my own hand for such a long period of time. And, you know, my studies into esoterics, I've done some mystery school studies over my life and, and all sorts of things and looked at what the samurais, for example, have, have, have gone into around, around death and the worship of death. And when we look at I think Bruce Lipton, I think it is, uh, put it in a way that really helped me to understand it, that essentially our physical body is a TV set and there's a signal that's being broadcast, which we call, 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 call consciousness. That signal doesn't stop. It's just being picked up by different TV sets over time. And I think even when we look at like the light spectrum, if anyone listening to this Googles the light spectrum, an image on Google of the light spectrum, such a small segment of it is actually experienced by our physical senses. The rest of it's outside of that wavelength. And it's representative of the fact that so much of reality is outside of our five senses, outside of this corporal experience that I believe death is just the movement of consciousness through different vehicles. Yes. Um, it's uh, the end of a cycle. 
it's a, a chance to, to renew and move into a different experience. And over my years, I've done different trainings around you know, past life regressioning I can do and, and, and readings and stuff like that. And, and just exploring more of the non-physical realm. And when you do that, you, you just get a, an appreciation of just how ephemeral yeah. and nonsensical it is to get so tied up and invested in just our physical experience. And it becomes, it, when people ask you, and I want to ask you about past life regressions, we've done a, a bunch of them. And, uh, you know, people ask like, what, you know, what is a, what does it feel like for past life regression? What it is. And like, it, you can't, unless you actually, it's like a knowing it can't be an mm-hmm. explanation. Words can only point so far. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like explain somebody what an orange tastes like. If you have the best yeah. words in the world, it's very difficult still to <laughs> what an orange tastes like. Eventually you get, people get mad and they go, it, cause I know I'm in here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> right? Just know what and it I was like, like, it's the same thing in that, in the consciousness world is like, is like, how do you know there's, we just, you just know, like, I don't know what yeah. else to tell you. They like, just know. So, um, so do you do uh, past life regressions with other people? Tell me about, or walk me through your experiences that you've had with past life regressions. I mean, so, so when I was doing some training around opening up my intuitive gifts and sort of playing with more of the astral stuff and, and, and doing a lot of training around that, um, so much stuff made sense. When I was younger, I used to write stories, really, really vivid stories, but the stories would always just stop. And it's like, I just ran out of juice and I just assumed I just ran out of juice and got bored. But then when I was doing this training, um, my teacher didn't tell me what she was having me do. We were just doing different practices. Like, just tell me what you see. And it turned out I was seeing all of these lives. And after a while, I then learned how to see them for other people and so on and so forth. But I could only see them up to the point of death. Yeah. And so that was what was happening in the stories, like something would happen and it was it was ending. And I was actually, as a kid, writing down these st- lives that I was recollecting. And and, and I was just, I, have you ever heard of Damenhor? I have not, no. You want to check it out. Damenhor in Italy. It's a interesting place. D-A-M-A-N-H-U-R. Damenhor. It's a... Very interesting place. So they've got a complex of temples that are built into a, a, a mountain. And anyway, so we went there and I didn't know what it was when I was going there. I went with some people that I was going, we're in Italy together. Let's go to Damanhor. I'm like, okay, I've been in Italy. Yeah. Let's go to Damanhor. Sure, let's go, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's go do the thing. Yeah. And um, there was just a knowingness, a remembrance of so much. And even like there certain, their founder had certain codings that he put on the wall and I was just understanding what the codes meant. And they were like recording what I was saying. And I didn't know where this was coming from. There was just this familiarity and knowing. And there's times when you're just around someone and they just feel familiar, even though you've never seen them before. And there's just much to your point, just this knowingness that really exists in the experience of this kind of material that doesn't require words and words wouldn't do its service much like the orange. And I think the more that we try to cognitively capture it, it actually starts to diminish it. Yeah. And actually the beauty is in just allowing it to be what it is. What can I learn from it? Again, people can get lost. Oh, what past life is this from? And I need to go and do another one versus, okay, this has come up. Is there something I can learn from this? Something I can learn from that versus getting lost in another rabbit hole. That's really just an escape. Yeah. It's, 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 thank you for sharing that. It's uh uh, my, all of my past life regressions have always ended in a death and then they mm-hmm. just kind of end from there for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually really interesting in my last one, the most recent one that I had, I was basically stabbed in this war and it was really interesting to kind of go through this experience. And then in this time, like I have I, I, the same spot that I have, I've always had this sensitivity there, like this little area there that's always kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. 
and I've had a, like a x-ray looked at it and they're like, well, there's just some scarring there. And it's just really funny. And then when I did my first pass impression, it was almost the exact same spot. And I was like, oh, what is that? That's so, it's just, it's what a, what a coincidence. It's almost like I've heard of other people of like, you know, you know, they, they've, they've been hung or something in their past life and they've come out and like they're in their umbilical cord is wrapped around their neck or something. There's, there's yeah. almost like this karma that kind of, kind of goes yeah. through it. It needs to be unfolded. And this familiarity again, I mean, I've got a dear friend of mine, Tom, and the first, so we're in a meditation community and we kind of connected via Facebook beforehand, but never, and we met for the first time and he goes, Dan, so yeah, he's Tom, just wanting to, you know, that me and you have been reincarnating in the same soul group for a few thousand <laughs> years. I was like, tracks and I don't, I don't know why this weirdo that just come up and said and it just felt really and there's been all of these things we're both obsessed with similar things and and certain periods of time and certain parts of the world where again I can't like there's a I go to Italy a lot but I I can literally feel in my body a different experience when I'm in different parts I've been obsessed yeah. with the crusades forever and then uh, there's all of these different things yeah. and it's like oh there's just an affinity with it because there's a there's a there's a, a familiarity that's all I had a friend of mine do it who's, you know, he's really big into personal growth and, and, and kind of spirituality, if you will. But he was like, I don't know about this past. I'm like, just try it. And like, the worst is you're just not going to like it. And he called me afterwards and he basically was like, I knew things and the way this, this instructor was pulling out of me, there's no way I would have, I went back and looked it all up and it was perfect. And he's like, how did this even happen? Like, wow. he was just way more like, I don't know how I even knew this. Like I, they asked me the name is right there. <laughs> it's just how it goes. And um, I was curious, your son's name's Michael. My son, not yeah. Ethan. Ethan, My sorry. Ethan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has he gotten into any past life regressions at all? Or He's I, 20 I, months old. So oh, yeah, so not really get much into anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should ask how old he was first. My my middle one, my middle guy has been super into this, and he asked me, and he did his own spirit, he did his own passive progression at, at six wow. years old. No, I mean this was not like I didn't ask. He just kept asking and asking. Finally, the person that does it with us is he said, "Fine, come in there." And he got to a point where it started to get towards that era where he could probably start to see his own death. And he stopped. Right. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, yeah, perfectly. And then like, a, like six months later, he's like, dad, I started to see how I was going to die. And that's why I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. He's like, I want to finish that though. Mm -hmm. But it was just really interesting to see how he just not, he just really was so interested naturally into that. Um, mm -hmm. wonder about that soul group with, with it itself. Mm -hmm. um, so what, you know, you wake up and, and, and obviously, what are you trying to accomplish in the physical world? Um, what, what kind of, where's, where does your, where's your next kind of phase in your life? Mm -hmm. So I like to keep it loose. Yeah. Um, I'm open to things changing. I mean, before I did this, I was doing something else and that felt like what I'm supposed to be doing forever. And so I, I kind of have done my best to detach from something, having to be something forever. And so yeah. every day, I check in with what I feel like doing every week. I do the same every month. And I've got a practice of just looking at, and this happened just yesterday, uh, yesterday morning, because I've got what I call like my, my five pillars, five emotions that really guide where I want to go to next. And I've had these five for a couple months. And yesterday morning, it just felt there wasn't the same potency behind it. And I just sat and dropped it to my heart and felt into what those next words were. And then what I tend to do, and this is my process of alchemic life creation, rather than focusing on the detailed pieces, I focus on the emotional states that feel good for me to experience. And then I follow the breadcrumbs of what unfolds on the back of that. Every now and then something specific will come up. I'm working on, you know, we, we finished filming my first documentary. That's going to be out probably October. 
Um, I'm really excited about, you know, some philanthropic projects going on right now. Right now, it really feels good in my body to move towards being a full-time philanthropist. Um, That's something that I really feel excited and but that might change. And I'm open to that changing and I'm just following the breadcrumbs to it until it does. Yeah. What is there a model or a framework? You mentioned the five kind of emotions that people say, Hey, I really want to live more authentically, which being authentic doesn't mean telling somebody you don't like their hair. Right. That's like, yeah, a, yeah that's just being me. It's not a bad <laughs> an asshole, right? It's, 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 it's being authentic is being much more true to, to yourself. Yeah. So is there a model or framework or a, or how would, how would you suggest somebody starts that process? Well, I've got a visualization called the quantum mirror exercise. Um, it's like 15 minutes. It's free. And it's on the website. Um, and you just literally listen to it. And it takes you through this process of getting behind the conscious mind and allowing those emotions that you out of the heart level want to experience to come forward. And then you jot them down and that becomes your blueprint. And you can check in with that on a regular basis and see how it feels, or even just check how it feels in your body to feel those emotions and see if they still fit or not. And then uh, you can just ask yourself, okay, what in my life is supporting these? What is not? What can I do more of to actually bring more of those emotions into my life? And what do I need to cull from my life that's actually inhibiting me experiencing those emotions and just play the game that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Dan, uh, where can people find you? Dreamwithdan.com is the easiest place to find me. Everything's there. Um, I write for Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, I've got my blog. I've got a couple of podcasts, free resources section, social media links. Everything's at dreamwithdan.com. Awesome. We'll link all the stuff that we talked about today. Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. And I know our audience thank loves you for having me so much. Yeah, thank you. Hey, before you go today, I want to give a shout out to everyone who has left us a review. It really makes a huge impact and helps us spread the word about our podcast. This review is from ES Dunn. Love to listen to Adam and Hallie's podcast. I'm always inspired and challenged to change and be a better person. Love that. I love the positivity and that they share their successes, I would add, and our failures with their listeners. So thank you so much for that review, ES Dunn. We really look forward to reading these every time they come in. So thanks again.